The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program <laughs> dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related to My name is Eric. Uh, oh, yeah, the Prismatic Tsunami thing. i got to mention that, too. Yeah. My name is Eric. Um, Production of Prismatic Tsunami. I'm Rich. Yeah. Vanessa? I'm the kid. Yeah. Today we're just going to chat. We Make actually so. haven't done an episode of Metagamers Anonymous in like, I don't know, two years. I, I just, It feels like it's been forever. I think it was fucking early December. But long enough, more than long enough. It's been a minute. Yeah, I think I was in my mid-twenties the last time I was we on. Had, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had holidays and we had sickness. And Sorry. It's, it's, not, well, it's not all your fault, Richard. <laughs> Stop apologizing. Yeah, really. I got, I got a lot of y'all sick. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 that came from somewhere. You didn't, you didn't literally start the fire. You, you, know? you don't need anything infectious to do that, I'm just saying. Ooh. Aw, so mean. Hey, is sick, is, sick is a good term in the that's true. parlance I came from. That's fair. true. That's sick. Yep. Fair. That's fair. I was in California at the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, and 12. So is California. <laughs> California. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's talk about gaming uh, because we did a little bit of it. So I I got to tell you guys I have th- this uh, this last few weeks, and I'm, I'm sure this has contributed to the malaise that has not gotten our programming up and running either very much. We've even missed some weeks to do an expo, which mm-hmm. we try to be pretty faithful about because we've got kind of installed content for that. You know, it's unlike metagamers where we have to kind of plan a little bit of what we're going to talk about, figure that out ahead of time. Unlike today. And uh, then try and make a show out of it. Expo is like, okay, here, watch this movie. That's your homework. <laughs> well, gee, that sucked, right? Make a few notes. Next next episode we're going to record is going to be number five zero. That's true. For, number fifty Expo. of Expo. It's going to be uh, a picked a good one. Cloud that. Atlas. Yes, yeah. it'll be fun. I'm halfway through it. <laughs> the movie is 17 hours long, so it takes a it lot is. of uh, takes a lot of clips it pulling. You know? Oh, well, I want to talk about it, and you're killing no, me. No, no, don't <laughs> talk about it. Wait, <laughs> wait to the podcast. Tune into the podcast. Yeah. Save it for Expo. Besides which, know. you know, Jason isn't here, and this is one. This is a movie he absolutely loves. So I'm really curious to see what his take in is. Oh my god, do you think he'll actually give it? Three stars? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Two and a half at best. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Love this movie. Two and a half stars. Uh, We're just know. joking with you, Jason. I know you never listen to the Yeah, he so. doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't listen to this. I, um, I, I have them on Spotify now. I'm very excited. I've been listening to back. I just wish it would go more than... I was going to say, how far back is it? Like 50 episodes or something? About that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, sadly, it's the 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 refeeders and and platforms like that. They only carry so many episodes. It just I, doesn't isn't made to accommodate long in the tooth programming like ours, you know. But you can always get the back episodes on prismaticsunami.com. Yes, you can go to the website and find them if nothing else. Nice, but and uh, you can get great tea at asamtees.shop. <laughs> that was, was a nice plug. The, no, uh, that one was kind of forced. The, the <laughs> prismatic tsunami.com shouldn't really be a plug since, you know, that it, is the it's website. It's not a plug that's is, literally giving you the yeah. information on how to find their older episodes. It, it's how you can listen to, say, this, for example, and other episodes in right? Gamers right. Anonymous interviews, um, actual play. Ooh, I, I finally listened to stuff. one of your interviews. I'm so sorry. It was the one with uh, Clearly Guilty. That, that was, that was a fun. lot of They're fun. fun. They're yeah. fun. They are, um, and that inspired me to go listen to their music. How I'm are they, a super fan. How are they doing right now? Are they doing? Are they doing music right now? They're doing good. They're still working on some stuff. One of the girls had a family emergency, oh. and so she's working on some family stuff Personal and slowed stuff, down. Yeah. But they're great. I can't wait to get the next album out. I mean, last time I got an album of theirs, they broke the fucking world. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> they, they made the mistake of of naming their yeah. album in the they, late end of 2019. What's, what's the, the worst, worst that, that can, can happen? happen? I, I know, I caught that. And they named their band Clearly Guilty, so it's not like they can argue the point. That's true. That's true. Clearly. Uh, so the pro- I was going to say what might have contributed a little bit to this though is that there hasn't been a lot of gaming with the, with our holiday uh, break and the sicknesses and 
just various other shit going on. Games have been getting canceled left and right. Oh, yeah. One of the few games we've actually managed to keep going almost every week has been our Tuesday night online game, which we're all involved in. we don't in. need to leave bed to play Because it. you don't have to go out the door. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you got a couple hours, don't, log in. Don't have to wear pants. It's Is that what you're... Depending okay. on your camera angle. I, I wasn't wearing pants say. on Tuesday. Okay. Fair, fair you recognize fair that he keeps his camera off a lot. You notice that. Yeah. There are reasons. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I don't want to traumatize anyone. Particularly since he plays. I he appreciate does it. that. Particularly since a lot of times he's in the kitchen at our also house. True. <laughs> also true. I've noticed that. <laughs> I, I think <clears throat> pants should be on in the kitchen, but that's a personal thing. Now, Jonica has clearly established that no one has to wear pants in the house. Okay. Mm. It is kind of a thing. And if anyone wants to argue with Jonica about it, their life is taken into their own hands. Think so. about how many times you come over to our house. Do you usually I will, see Jonica wearing pants? I will just pants? tell you, I will never tell Jonica what to or not to wear. <laughs> because you, sir, have wisdom. I, I frankly wouldn't tell anyone what to and not to wear, regardless of where they are. Well, what, we used to tell our kid what them. to wear. Because, like you, Vanessa. But there were reasons for that. <laughs> well, yeah. You're a kid. So, um... <laughs> That I, was clever. I, uh, <laughs> I, I did. I, I had to watch. I, I, I had to uh, watch my gaming schedule flitter, flitter away like one like schedule at a time. Like uh, one game at a time. We had, we have a I, the game I have on Monday nights that like we didn't didn't survive through the holidays, and then people were sick, and then uh, th- like this week and next week, uh, Joe and Alicia are on a cruise. So. Fuck off! I hope, have, I hope you have a great time. Right. And, uh, I hope it's not. The <laughs> have a great time. I hope it's not a COVID plague. And, yeah. Now that uh, that being said, I really do hope you have a great time. Obviously, and we're looking forward to hearing all about it. Yes. Uh, and adore, we adore you guys. I don't know. Maybe they listen to the show. We're actually not. Joe does. Yeah. Okay, good. And we're not actually going to get back together for a game until after game day at this point on that with that group, and that'll be like the Monday after. And our, our we do have a tsunami game day coming up the twenty second of January. Uh, so if you are in the Wichita area or uh, you know close enough to drive for the day or part of the day, you should come join us. There's at, some uh, great the stuff on the schedule, you guys. Uh, no, not a lot yet. <laughs> or if you have a one shot you want to play, we can put something on the schedule. Yes, uh, we would really like some more games. Um, if you if you feel so inclined, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. You definitely should. Yeah, you know, be part of the be part of the festivities. Meet some new players it, 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 and show it, it, off your system. Yeah, it's always great to you know get have an have an opportunity to get together friends or strangers or whatever and and sit down and play a game for just a few hours. And then we we have a couple of game slots. And then we have uh, they have they have great sales on gaming products. All you know whenever we're there. Oh, and I mean, yeah. it's just it's a really cool store. If you haven't been to the borough, it's it's definitely someplace you want to visit anyway because it's a. Uh, um, unique, unique, and very charming place. Yeah, oh those, yeah, I love it. Those people are awesome. Yeah, and they're so supportive. And huge, huge part of our. They've been a big supporter of TsunamiCon. They've been a big supporter of our community, and uh, we've had a great relationship with them over the years. And I've missed doing this during the pandemic. And we've just made. I mean, we just made a choice. At some point, you got to say, okay, maybe the pandemic isn't officially over. Obviously, and things are kind of ramping up in some ways again, and we're there, we're seeing problems all over. But people are being more careful. At least a lot of the people we associate with. Uh, obviously, we ask if you come to game day that you join the Being Careful crew, you know, and it's a small store, so mask it up. Definitely. I, I really feel like uh, it'll, be, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. I'm going to wear fun. my Marauder's Map mask. I I, nobody it. will know until you breathed at it for a while. I know. That's it's okay. Great. That's okay That's because the they will watch the progression and then you will see certain people at the table get really excited. It's and Marauder, it'll be awesome. Marauder's Mask. You can just leave the map part out, fair, right? Yeah, the Marauder's Mask. So, yeah, Monday Night Game hasn't been happening. And then uh, uh, Sunday, with, with, you know, we've just the same reason we haven't been podcasting, same reasons we haven't been podcasting. We haven't been get, get, getting together to game on Sundays. And uh, Jason's work schedule changed. And the last so, time we um, did, we, we we signed into Discord and played on uh, Board Game Arena, which what is always always an option, <laughs> always a way, to, always a great way to spend some time. I, I like I like hanging out with you guys, even if it's just online. Obviously, it's yes. it's fun. And Board Game uh, Arena is awesome. I love it. Yeah, and, and that's they got a lot of new games up there. Yes, know, right? their their I, actual game library is huge. Based on games in there, I bought actually I've got a bag right here with a whole bunch of games yeah, I just I bought because of them. Uh, I'm uh, excited. Asmodee bought the pro. I think brought bought the platform. I hope it's worth two years them for ago, them. Yeah. And they added a bunch of a bunch of their properties and stuff, licensed a bunch of new stuff. So it's it's a really cool place. If you ever checked it out and you're a board game enthusiast, we definitely recommend it. I mean, we're not obviously getting paid to talk about them or anything, 
They're oh God, no. uh, a fantastic site. No, <laughs> I, can't Imagine even, being I can't get Asmodee to half, talk to me anyway. So. <laughs> half of our group are premium members of the, yes. <laughs> of the board game arena. So. Good stuff. Um, I yeah. love it. It's great. We pay them. <laughs> And uh, you know, so online gaming is the only thing that's really kind of captured. The only difference, uh, the only um, uh, difference, no exception to that for me, ironically, has been my home game with my kids, which I've actually gotten to do more of lately because we haven't been doing other stuff. And over the holidays, I spent more time with just the family, Jonica and the kids and I. And so uh, we did more like gaming, but it wasn't something we really planned because it's kind of not a game we plan. We've it got just, a D&D game we've been it playing for when it's convenient, yeah. a year and some change. And, uh, I mean, originally, uh, Jonica wanted, a character, wanted to play a character that was kind of reminiscent of the Witcher-style monster hunter type. Ooh. And um, somehow they ended up with a pet owlbear. Oh, well, they're, I, I, you know, Gabriel's 13. They freaking loved the owlbear cub. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I upped the ante this, this session, as you may have heard. I, I did hear about it, yeah. yes. The funny thing is... We hadn't played it in a while, and uh, on Christmas, we had made a trip up to see my mom in Colorado, and she lives in a little town south of the Springs a ways. It was about a seven-hour drive, Jeez. and so I knew we were going to spend pretty much all day in the car together uh, Friday, and we spent Saturday, Christmas Day at her place, and then Sunday, we drove back. Oh, lot, that sounds like so much driving. And, you know, I don't mind driving. Obviously, I do it for a living. I don't mind driving at all, but um, I ironically lost my glasses the week before my ride, because I've got like prescription shades. So if it's daylight, I can, I'm fine. But I lost my regular glasses. Um, they might even be here at the studio somewhere buried under crap. And uh, I, I can't drive at night right now. So not, not comfortably. Not, I don't feel safe, right? So um, I've been kind of hanging it up when I drive during the day. I've been kind of hanging it up before uh, it gets dark. Well, that means that on this trip, I knew seven-hour driving because there is absolutely zero chance of me getting my family out of bed and on the road at a decent time. Meant they were going to be driving into the dark no matter what. So I had to prepare Jonica for the you know because I usually do a lot of the driving when we. But if it gets dark, she always takes over anyway because I tend to sleep when I drive at night and terrify people. I. <laughs> Only if they know I'm sleeping. So the the whole that's I, not a better statement. I, well, I snore. Uh, the the uh, so, so the the whole um, experience was interesting this time though because we got on the road. I'm about an hour down the road, and I'm looking at my phone and thinking, um, you know, I've got I've got our tablet. Uh, we got a like a Windows tablet that I use for the, some of the stuff here for the audio stuff. So I always have it in usually have it in my computer bag with me. And I got the tablet, and it's a 5G tablet, right? And so we're, we're rolling down the road, and I'm thinking, you know what? I could take out my laptop and, like, hotspot my uh, tablet or something and transfer files from my laptop to the tablet, right, so that I would have them there and then use it to run a game right here in the car. And everybody has, because this was D&D, so we all had D&D Beyond with our characters on and everything. Everybody had the D&D Beyond app on their phone. I ran a fucking D&D game for my family for six hours heading to my mom's house on the, on the road. I mean, Nira's in the back seat with her phone and her mom's phone just handling the roles for both characters, you know, because <laughs> it does the die rolls right there on the screen and everything. Mm-hmm. And we had a great time. That's awesome. And it was so weird. I am, so as you guys know, um, I don't harp on it a lot like I used to, but I am such a purist about trying to create an immersive experience so when i'm at the table i try to make sure and minimize distractions create a comfortable environment um i know we don't get a lot of that because we live in a small cramped space with a lot of people in the space right now so it's hard to make a comfortable environment in our home but it is my preference uh richard knows this because we used to game in his house and it was something that we were very kind of conscious of we get there and um, he provided a, a very nice space, so a table, a lot of room, a lot of snacks, you know. Nobody had to go very far. Uh, everybody could see each other. Everybody could hear each other. All these things are very important. The The chairs were comfortable, you know. It was it really – I, I enjoy that uh, as a game master. I want to set a scene where all that shit disappears. I don't want people to be thinking about, gosh, I can't get the comfortable you – know, our current chairs, of course, suck, but, you know. Can't get in a comfortable position in this seat. And They're only uncomfortable after like hour two. <laughs> I, I, that, true. I, I don't feel like typically the idea of trying to run a game, everybody in the car with the noise of the road, 
Jonica focusing on driving because obviously she took over driving at that point. I'm face. I can't turn enough to face everybody and make sure. Everybody, so I got to speak up. But it's my kids. It's my family. So who cares, right? And, and everybody had fun and got into character. And there was plenty of role playing. And there was plenty of story stuff. And there was plenty and plenty of fighting because you know that was easy and fun to do right there on the apps. And it was a good time. And they made the trip go like that. That's awesome. I just could not believe it. So the first thing I made sure I did was carve out a couple hours while I was at my mom's on Christmas Day to plan the (laughs) trip home. (laughs) And we played again for seven hours on the way home. Nice. And we were going through like... a lot of solid game time. It is. You know, and typically that would be hard to keep up. But I had... um, It just so (laughs) happens I had uh, launched them into an adventure that really took up that kind of time. Sweet. That I had all pre-written. You know, if I hadn't had planned ahead enough then I would have been winging it the whole time and it would have been harder to keep it going. And it was, I mean, it was challenging a little bit because like in Eastern Colorado, you lose like cell signal for a while and then people's apps, you know, they'll still do some functionality and roll dice and stuff like that, but they won't like access information. You know, you can't look up a spell and shit like that. You got to have your, you got to have your connection. But, but it was, a, it was cool. And, that is and the, awesome. the weird thing is that nostalgically took me back to a time when I was like, I don't know, like it's eight years old, right? Nine years old. And uh, my parents, when I was young, uh, we lived in like um, bumfucked Egypt and uh, like two, three hours from any other family members at least, right? So we would go to Kansas City for uh, holidays and stuff. So my brother and I would spend, you know, a few hours in the back of our car together, uh, pretty much being ignored by our parents unless my dad asked if he had to come back there or turn around or stop the car or whatever. (laughs) Uh, God, it was so cliche, but true. And uh, we, my brother and I played D&D. And I would sit there and run games for him, just him and I, yeah, with the, the original box sets and stuff. And I'd have the boxes and we'd have, I'd have the dice with me and I'd have pencils and draw maps. And just, oh, it just took me back <laughs> for some reason to that. That's you know. awesome. It, it's, and so, of course, that all ties into family to me, uh, a family experience. And so um, I got to tell you, the digital tools have made something possible I never really would have thought about in that way. We've got to a point where uh, it made something possible that I don't think I would have even considered doing. And That's awesome. I mean, weird to me. I mean, there's no reason I couldn't have, even with the most minimal, of, you know, come up with some sort of gaming experience. I mean, I should be able to, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. But having all those tools made it so that it felt genuine and uh, had all that information accessible and all the rules and all the, the dice and all that stuff. So I, uh, I built a small campaign uh, last week. I have to go back over and look at it because I was a little bit fevered and who knows what's actually in there. But um, <laughs> but because it's it's a uh, investigative mystery based on visions the characters had, I have it all built into Roll20 and I have a deck of cards with different pictures and stuff that are visions that they use to try to get clues to unlock articles to learn what they need to do to, to solve the adventure. And save the world, because that's what you do, right? So one of the things I ended up doing with that is, um, you know, I, I made my own character sheet for my own game. And Roll20 app actually does have a way to access the character sheet. And I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I could still have everything in Roll20 and be able to do the character sheet, even in person. It, if, nice. if, uh, if we didn't have, like, series of laptops sitting around, because you could still access your character sheet on the phone. Right, that makes sense. But it's a ridiculously simple system I set up, so. <laughs> Just got another game submission for the game day. Yay! Yay. Awesome. John, Wait. John's going to be running a... But this didn't go out yet. Forged in the Dark thing, so. Ooh. Oh, I do like Forged in the Dark. Uh, hang on, I got to go sign up for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just got on the schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... I uh, so so yeah, you got enough to kind of run it yet then or do you feel like you Oh no, I I'm ready to run it. I just, just need to find people and time and whether we're going to do it online in person or Let me know. in laptops because <laughs> it's it's an interesting story. So, um I got the other thing that's happened to me um I kind of want to talk about isn't isn't necessarily as fun happy go lucky a conversation, but it happened. Um the only gaming I've had recently, consequentially, has been the game with my kids, which is a pretty straightforward. I, it, it started as kind of literally a Monster of the Week kind of feel because it was, like I said, she wanted to play a Monster Hunter. So they literally, they, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Minimal planning, I could do this, right? So we started it with um, that kind of video gamey feel where you get quests at the local tavern. 
Uh, I actually have I don't have I don't have a guy with an exclamation point above his head or anything, but I do have like a board like where you know where they can like a job board. Yeah, oh. Oh, that's um, cool. And, well, it's either that or the librarian giving you assignments. And there's a, glo- a local group uh, the of oh, like you did an, both uh, kind of like an adventurers <laughs> guild. Uh, that uh, they've refused to become members of, interestingly enough, which I thought was kind of cool, but they like to work with them. And so they'll throw jobs their way that they don't have their own people to do stuff for. No and one can sign up for this. Or no one wants to. to. Here bad jobs. <laughs> so, and then I went ahead and went the extra video gaming level and made quest cards. Like you, when you look at your quest log in oh, like, that's a game cool. and, and have like the ability to go back and look at the details of your quest and you know what you've accomplished, check them off, whatever. So I've got a, a document on Drive, you know, a presentation, if you will, that's just quest cards. And there's, I, I can look at the whole campaign we've done so far because I've still, you know, I've got that whole list of, and I made sure and put every kind of piece of information about the rewards and their experience on them, so that I can always go back and see what That's they earned awesome. and win. And uh, the consequence of this is that I haven't done a lot of like um, bigger adventures in this. I've got a couple of things they've done that are taking a couple sessions, but by and large, most of it's been, you know, here's a single thing going on. Go do this. Not quite go collect five wolf pelts and we'll give you a belt or something, but more like, uh, you know, the the farmers have said there's some creature that's raiding the livestock up here, you know. That uh, is a very witcher feel. <laughs> right? And uh, I, I played a lot of Dragon Age. <laughs> I, a lot. I, you know, <laughs> I, I remember playing Guild Wars a bunch when it was a thing in our household. And just these these are the types of things I kept seeing was, was a lot of like uh, – there's one thing that's been that that we need done here. Go do it. And a lot of times they wouldn't know. You know, they'd be like, it'd like be like that. There's some sort of monster that's doing thing up here, and we don't know what it is, but it needs to be stopped. And they go and you know find out. Or sometimes it'd be like they'd be told that something is a threat or something's going on. And it turns out when they get there that that isn't what's going on. That and, that is also very Witcher. It and because it's. Because it's me, and I've never played any of the Witcher games. I've just seen the you TV totally show. You totally should, just saying. Uh, TV show's great. I like the TV show. I haven't watched the TV show, oh. but the game is cool. Dude, <laughs> I think a lot of the fans, uh, I don't know, because I know it's all based on a series of books, but I think yeah, a lot of the fans of the game seem to like the show. So. The literature. I, oh, you I didn't the even books? know there yeah. were books. That's, that's cool. So there you go. In fact, it books. started with a short story <laughs> books, games that series? I read before there was anything else, and I was like, this is awesome. I want more of this. Oh, look. Now we've got more of it. Uh, yeah, that works. So um, I was I was uh, I was trying to be clever, but sometimes, well, uh, let me back back up just a little bit. the The whole premise, because it's me, right? I can't run just a soullessly kind of moment to moment, event to event kind of game with no connectivity. There's got to be an overarching story. <sighs> I'm terrible about this. So <laughs> early on, you, I ended you also up, like to extinguish the sun. I didn't do that. Uh, yeah, you got to be proud of me. Um, yeah. I am. I'm very proud of you. Uh, so early on in the campaign, I had them do a thing where there was one mission where they had to raid a tomb that they knew this group of um, orcs was going to raid, and that there was some mystical treasure here that the the legends suggested they didn't want these orcs to get a hold of, and they got the treasure. But it turns out that the treasure was buried here because it provided it was like the rod of the river king or river knight or something like that. And it provided kind of a fertility to the lands about. Ooh. So once it was removed, its magic started to fade. And they're, they're now they're looking at a potentially oncoming drought, and the PCs are carrying this around to keep it out of the hands of bad guys, but it's part of the problem, right? So they're dealing with this moral quandary right from the beginning. And it keeps coming up. I don't let it rest. Not entirely. I mean, not every time or anything, but... Something keeps happening. Every few quests. Hey, like, by the way. They, like recently they did a quest where this fake this fake queen was starting to um, act completely kind of crazy. And uh, some people that had been exploring some wilderness that bordered her realm, uh, she captured them and then the heroes went in to rescue them and stuff. And so, I mean, it was a cool kind of quest. And they could, when they confronted the fake queen, she was kind of like really, really out of it. I mean... But she got really mad at them because they didn't they didn't try to negotiate, they didn't try to be nice, they just they just took what they wanted and tried to get the hell out. And she, of course, threw like everything at them. It was a great, great escape scene. You know, I did this whole skill challenge thing on the way out where they were, you know, trying to and I got the idea from an adventure I, I found online of that I think uh, if I find the the Patreon that I know the adventure came from, I'll link it because it was great, but I can't remember the guy's name. I think maybe DM Dave or something like that. But this is one of these guys online that just makes, he did his patron, uh, patron page is just adventures for 5e. Very it's cool. good stuff. 
uh, really good stuff. And he obviously works well with artists and map makers and people that just really, you know, make Even it nice better. adventures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, the uh, the adventure, though, it gave me some ideas, and I, I kind of used them to build this. And then it turns out they've still learned since that the Fae Queen's madness and then resultant uh, passivity with them has caused another problem that they're now dealing with somewhere else. But it also turns out that the Fae Queen's madness is partly due to the imbalance of the natural forces in the area because the water table has shifted. Oh, those dominoes are falling. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I can't help it, right? I, and this is all in addition to a political thing that's going on that also is involving those humanoids moving in and trying to do things to unbalance the area. As somebody else, they're hired by somebody out of the area. You know, so I got this map I've been working in the whole time, and I keep thinking I'm going to leave that map at some point and have them go on adventures, you know, out of it and that are going to kind of tie into all this. And I just haven't had a good reason to yet. And they're already like seventh level. I mean, we've been we've been doing a pretty good pretty brisk trade with them it's it's been a really fun game this last week uh one of the things that they kind of randomly ran into in this in this woods was a group of uh displacer or a couple of uh displacer beasts and oh, a displacer God. beast cub so they end up uh, in this fight kitten, i think actually kitten yeah sorry so they end up in this fight where they um they're fighting the, the they're fighting mom and dad right who are a real threat and the cub keeps like trying to chew at their ankles as the kitten just like keeps attacking Jonica's character, who of course is heavily armored, and this kitten has no chance of hurting her. And it was just stop a, him from trying. a hilarious battle because they're doing best to kind of kick the kitten away and keep it safe <laughs> because they don't want to hurt, even though they're going to kill its parents. Now, the interesting thing is that early in the game, the reference that a uh, kid made earlier, early in the game, they got their hands on an owlbear cub. And that was because I made it, I, I inserted a scenario where they were like, uh, there's an owlbear that was marauding local farms or something. It was the one I was referring to there. And they went out and they went to, they tracked it to its cave and they took her out because when they, she got aggressive when they got in the cave, they took her out, they killed her. And then they discovered a, cu- a cub who they just killed the mom, right? So oh now they're God. like, oh, we can't just leave the cub. But we're talking about Nira and Gabriel. And I, I know I say my kids because they're my kids. And Nira's not a kid anymore. But my God, she's such a girl. And she <laughs> she just fawned all over this cub. And Gabriel thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so they've had this owlbear cub with them. They named her Sweetie. And they have this owl cub with her. Uh, Nira plays a fear bog and um, has this harness that she made out of like a backpack where it's legs and arms are hanging out and she carries it on her on it like in front they of her. They have a baby Bjorn for an owl there. Oh, <laughs> my God. And then the, uh, so this is a part of their regular kind of, always comes up. It's not like they ever forget. Like it's always part of every, you know, scene or what, what's, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they eat rotten meat, so. They have to. They, they keep a pack of meat and let it spoil mm. to feed the elder. Yeah, that's it, hilarious. I think it was full of orc meat. The last I knew. Uh, so good. And now this. So I entered this. I put in the situation with this displacer beast kitten, and I know what's going to happen. <laughs> They're going to adopt the kitten. They want to. Like so, Gabriel is suddenly <laughs> if they keen. can find it, it, it's actually over there. So so what I did that was really funny was one of the displacer beasts got killed. Right. And so that left one parent. And when that parent was down to like 30 hit points, I had that parent roar at the kitten to follow or whatever. And that they took off, <laughs> which upset Gabriel because he wanted to kill both parents so they could have the kitten. <laughs> and then you got, uh, you know, Jonica who's sitting here going, her character says, no, we don't, we don't want to kill its parents and orphan the tip thing. That's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is to make as many orphans as possible. So Feed society. You know, but Gabriel's the, the funny thing is that Gabriel, because I mean we're talking about thirteen year old boy. It, Gabriel's character is a you know dragon born barbarian. He's a big, huge badass. And, so a dragon born barbarian is fawning over a displacer kitten. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'd say I can see where this is going, but the displacer kitten makes it hard to see exactly where it's it does. Going. Yeah. So. That's their whole thing. So uh, the other game we've had going has been the desert game, which uh, I if if, uh, if if we haven't talked about it much on the show because we haven't had a lot of shows lately. But I decided to revisit because this is a, a, a more it was a dungeon crawly game, and this actually feeds into the thing I was going to talk about. But it's a dungeon crawly game. Oh, and check us out, getting on topic. And then, sort of, sort of. I'm getting, I'm getting there. You There's guys, a topic yeah. to this show. Sort of. Isn't there always? Um, <laughs> Sometimes we even find it. Exactly. Since we started with, uh, we wanted to experiment. I know I've talked about it on the show a few times. That we wanted to experiment with the lighting stuff in, in Roll20. We wanted to kind of play around with the uh, whole adventuring on the map 
which for us, especially at this level, was a new experience. And what I mean by this level is when you do this like this in Roll20 and you got the whole map on there, you can literally let people put you put tokens on the map and just let them wander around and talk about what they encounter. And a lot of times the things they encounter are right there inside their visual range when they get to it, and that sparks activity. And it's, it's great because my character is motivated by nothing but sheer curiosity. So he has to peek around every corner, go down every hallway, and sometimes wander away from the group entirely while they're not looking. And they're like, where the hell did our cleric go? Sometimes. The downside sometimes. of that is. Most of the time. <laughs> when your character disappears, sometimes we're like. Yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it hasn't happened. No. Yep. The game has been fun. Yeah. The game has been fun. I and it's been a very different D and D experience for me, probably for all of us. Indeed. Uh, and and that's saying something because I've you know I've been playing D and D since 1983. I mean, there's there's a mm. lot of experience. <laughs> To pull from that, I would try and contrast to where we're going and how I'm handling things, but every week I find myself challenged to make the game something more than it is, and I I hate the idea that it is a game that just takes place on a picture board. You know, it is a game on a map. That one's kind of built to be, though. Yes, it is. (laughs) And the first two adventures I read were purely huge dungeon crawls, and that was uh, intentional. I thought, I want to do something when you guys got to about fifth level. I want to do something that was more interesting to me, a little and bit more scaled. I it. decided to revisit one of my favorite mega adventures from uh, first edition, which was the Desert of Desolation. And this was originally uh, three adventures written by uh, uh, Tracy Laura Hickman, actually, who wrote uh, these three desert adventures that are drenched in kind of desert lore and mythology. And I mean, you guys are running a little bit of that, some reference to like Egyptian gods and, and right. things like that. And It's very thoughty. Very much. And uh, the... The whole thing was put together as a mega adventure uh, some years later. Uh, it's one of the, it's, actually, it was officially the very first adventure that was marketed as a Forgotten Realms adventure. Before there was, you know, even a Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Right, yeah. But uh, even then, I mean, the way it was originally written, I mean, they just had to find a place to put it, though. They had to invent that place in the realms, I think. So, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I mean, they did a lot of cool stuff, though. They expanded the original adventure material, which was great, into a, give it a more of kind of a through line and, and added a bunch of little features and extras, and including like an ancient alphabet of inscriptions that players can look at and decide to try and decipher if they want to. And I'm glad you guys did. Oh, God, that fun. was crazy. Well, and that always worries me, too, because that's one of those things. It's like you put that out there. It's like the whole puzzle thing, right? Whenever you're running a game like in a dungeon where there's a puzzle of some kind, let's say trying to get through a door with a series of weights or measures, you end up with – or math, right? You end up with one or two players frequently who will sit there and look at it and try to figure it out, and the rest of the party will sit around bored off their ass. And so I worried about that with the inscriptions thing. I, at the table, when you're playing at a live table, I feel like you have a little more control over the environment in that situation. So while people are doing stuff, you can still deal with other things and talk to people. But I can't split the focus like that when I'm doing it online because then everybody's talking over each other. Yep. There's no way to regulate that. So I had to kind of rely on you guys finding enough interest in that for it to kind of draw almost everybody in. And it's done a pretty good job. I mean, I know that it isn't as interesting for some players as it is for others, but you guys, once you kind of got onto it, like I expected, it's actually pretty easy to decipher once you know what you're looking at. And Once you know what you're looking at. That was the part. Yeah. So We, we had to find that balance. So there is that. But other than that and the uh, cool-ass kind of story elements and environment, unfortunately, the, the, the adventure has a lot of um, just dungeons and monsters and fighting and... You know, almost Giant like it's scorpions. a dungeon crawl. Which, it, I mean, it's for a game that's largely crossing the desert. You know, but it's a lot of crossing the desert with little dungeons, and big right. dungeons. And, it's it's and a game. series of dungeon yeah. crawls. Which is why I thought it would be great for this game, right? Right. Well, and I've, I've actually started this game, the, the Desert of Desolation, two other times. And both of those games fell apart before we ever got through the first. Right. And part of that's just a big adventure. And part yeah. of that is just games don't always fly. So. And that was at a time when things were very hectic and changey, so it was not surprising when a game fell apart after four or five sessions. Yeah, it'd often be whether or not you got those same players together again to yeah, do something. Yeah, exactly. Sad day. I hate it when that happens. But I had a character the second time that I just absolutely loved because he was written into the story. Abadi Abadokin. Yes. Yeah. Great Warrior of the Desert. Here's the thing, though. We're, we're playing this the other night, and I, am, uh, I, I presented an encounter. I think it was Scorpions, Giant Scorpions. Yeah. Yes. Come out of the sand. Yeah. 
Oh, they have a new album out. Oh, the giant scorpions do? No, the scorpions. But oh, well, the little cousins, yeah. They're good guys. Good guys. <laughs> Mm, I was far away do? doing the pew pew. The pew pew. She fine. does. She does that. <laughs> you know, like you do with every encounter ever. I love it. Not everyone. Sometimes <laughs> things pop up on me and I run away. Right. It's it's not her intention <laughs> to do it any other way. The right. only times it does it some other way is if somebody else interferes with the plan. There's also flaming sphere. Oh yes. So I, I have it. I have I two methods. Which has been great too. Yes. And very effective when you do with large hordes of opponents like exactly. the zombies and stuff. <laughs> So, uh, especially with large hordes of stupid opponents. Exactly. <laughs> but They tend to get away from the fire, but at the same time, they're still in large groups. So all you have to do is just ram the sphere into a group of them. And watch them scatter. And it's watch fun. them scatter. Yes. I know that I talked about this when we started, but one of the things that I always want to focus on uh, is making sure and kind of bring the game to life as much as possible. Create an um, immersive experience, a relatively holistic experience. And it's hard when you're playing online and uh, the map does most of the legwork. So really it comes down to numbers. It comes down to crunching rules. It comes down to rolling dice. And, and uh, even then, I will try to find ways to keep the scene moving and come to life. And I remember stopping at one point in this session and even saying, is there anything more terrifying than giant fucking scorpions? And I mean, the answer to that, of course, is yes, there's a lot of things more terrifying. But since a scorpion is a real, a real animal. Giant scorpions with the rock under. For example, right. but when you, I think when you make things fantastical, it actually kind of <laughs> takes away from it a little bit, right? Because there's something Correct. about that that is so imaginative and purely imaginative that the threat is also imaginative. Mm-hmm. Whereas a scorpion, the idea of sizing a scorpion up to a point where it is larger than you and terrifying is easier to kind of have a primal response to. Yeah, these scorpions were bigger than our camels. As long as the effects are better than them. And most of what we fought in the desert so far have been like giant spiders and giant scorpions, right? I mean, they're all, all big, just animal creatures that we already, you know, scary creatures that we already deal with. Uh, and wandering camels. But yeah, you don't need to fight those, strangely. Oh, a giant camel. Yeah, I have a ring for that. He's got a ring for that. He might. Will it work on a giant yeah, camel? You never know. As long as it's still a camel, I would assume so. It's a polymorph dragon. Oh, then probably not. It's a brass <laughs> dragon. It's going to talk your ears off. Oh, I hate brass dragons. You are going to die <laughs> waiting for the end of the conversation. <laughs> are they the desert dragon? Yes. <laughs> the, them, them and the blues? Mm-hmm. I am not familiar enough with the different types of dragons. That's okay. Everything's changing anyway, right? That's fair. Um, I, although I think Ziftnaf, Ziftnaf, Fizzband's book, uh, and Deathgate slip up there, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you do, you win a prize. Uh, Fizzband's uh, guide dragons, I think it really does kind of, I mean, it doubles down on the traditional dragon types, right? I mean, it talks about them. but Yes, but at the same time, it puts things into a more fluxy state than they've ever been before. It figures. I haven't really looked at the material uh, much. A lot of the dragon-oriented uh, side stuff that you get into kind of is wishy-washy on energy types. Hey, and don't assume my dragon's breath just because of the color of my scales. Right. And I've always I've always <laughs> played with that anyways, just to, you know, subvert right. expectations. Like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, and the funny thing is that my son has become like I was when I was his age in a lot of ways with D&D. He's absorbing everything, right? So he's just absorbing a lot of trivial kind of details about every single little thing, and he loves monsters. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the I talk about the dust devil that you guys uh, could encounter in the desert. I don't know if you guys did or not, if I've mentioned them or anything, but it's one of the encounters. I don't think we have yet. Yeah. Um, Spoiler. I know that one. Uh, but, but, I don't remember much of this series, but I, I remember the dust devil. I think you mentioned it, but we haven't encountered it. But a dust devil is just, you know, just like a small tornado type of thing. You know, often we'll see dirt devils or dust devils in, in the real world. Elemental, and my dear Watson. They're, pretty, they're fairly harmless. I mean, you might find one that's big enough to pick up a person. I have a dirt paid. devil in my closet. Yeah, I don't exactly. think I've ever seen like a dust devil that's that big. Normally, they're just little things going through fields. Yeah, mm-hmm. swirly kind of, yeah. Just <laughs> or Kansans, we're familiar with those. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, even then, it's like, it's so it's in the desert, of course, you know, where they tend to be sandy. I would, I would imagine so, right? So we'll talk about this. Yeah. And uh, Gabriel pipes up randomly that, uh, well, the only dust double write-up he knows about is in, um, is in a blue dragon lair. Like, what? <laughs> I completely forgot that they were desert dragons even, considered, you know, it's like, oh, oh they breathe lightning. What would they have to do with the light? You know, what? what? And so then he pulls out Fizzbands and shows me that it's got a write-up of a dust devil as a creature, as an air elemental creature. Huh. 
Yeah, of course. It's an air element. You know, yeah. I was like, well, okay, now that makes sense. But in, in his mind, you know, here are the words that he will write to the monster. And that's the only thing that really fit mm-hmm. for, for D&D. It's like, um, mm, boy, we're wrenching you too hard in this. But I, I've got nothing else. You know? <laughs> he, doesn't, he hasn't played any other games yet. I haven't even run him through Savage Worlds or anything yet because Slacker. I just have been wanting to make sure he enjoy, got a chance to enjoy a game that he could get to know. Before the dice start exploding. Before the dice start exploding. Exactly. That's the best part, though. Oh, I think it, he'll, he'll love it. When it's but, the bad guy's dice. Yeah, one of the hard things I never is, have that luck when I'm running Savage Worlds. It's always everyone else's dice that explode, and then my <laughs> I got a die. seven. What'd you get? I rolled a 96. Here, here's a funny thing, though, about D&D, and I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but fantasy adventure is extremely accessible to the young. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, particularly now with so many great examples out there to work from, yes. and even with, like, Harry Potter and stuff like that, there's... There's so many great examples of um, fantasy that appeals to children and that they can understand and relate to. And taking it to that level, because originally D&D being inspired by things like Lord of the Rings and Conan and, you know, Far From the Great Mouser and stuff like that, it was, it was still kind of highbrow in a way. Mostly adults were familiar with the material. But what I got into it as a kid, I had no trouble getting into it. I had no trouble getting other kids into it as a kid. You know, it was, it was always accessible. I didn't play anything but D&D until I ha- was like in high school, I think. But when it comes to, say, my son and trying to, adjust, try, trying to adjust him into a different game, if you're going to do fantasy, may as well be D&D because he knows D&D and he'll, feel, he'll have fun with that. That's fair. Uh, if I'm not going to do fantasy, what am I going to do? Because games that had a more um, a, a grittier feel or the, you know, like sci-fi stuff to me or... You know, um, if he wants to check out hard sci-fi, I might be able to dig up my old box of Bionic why would he? Commando. Bi- <laughs> we have the Stargate RPG. Yes. Yes, we do. Why would I he, though? To watch more Stargate No, that's true. He's, he's not really into that anyway. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, why would he, though? Why would... It, you know, what he really wants is a Minecraft RPG. Right. How, uh, that's when you have him watch mm-hmm. a should get hardcore in, sci-fi movie, and if he gets really excited about that, go, hey, I have this game. You but, should get him into the Cthulhu RPG. This is what I'm Cthulhu. talking about. I run a lot, I've run a lot of horror stuff. I've run a lot of sci-fi stuff, post-apocalyptic. I don't think any of these things, or even modern-day stuff, like uh, modern-day horror stuff or anything that involves like um, you know mercenaries or anything like that, it, spies, I don't think any of that oh. is going to be fun to him. Is there a Maybe RPG could, based on Land of the Lost? Um, if there's not, it'd be easy to make. There probably a scenario could with be. any general RPG that's similar to Land of the I Lost. I know. I'm just saying. I really love that world. That's time travel feeling, like dinosaur paleo era. Type well, it's not a lot of travel once you get past the opening credits, right? I, I only vaguely remember the show from as a kid. It's on Saturday mornings. Oh, there's a lot of lore in there. But in any case, the uh, I, I know I got the word pylon from there, and I've used it over the time over the years. You have, stuff. which is why I thought you knew more about it. Yeah, I, I always liked the word. I guess slee stack then doesn't mean anything. No, I remember you. what the slee stack is, but I wouldn't remember the word until you just mentioned it. <laughs> I can picture it now. I don't remember what they look like. So uh, vaguely, they probably look worse. And the, the worst part about <laughs> that they do in my the head. worst part about prepping the dungeon is all the stop animation recording. Right, stop. So I, I don't necessarily know what I would do. Now, superheroes does come to mind. I was going to say, I bet if you had a game with Spider-Man in it, you could get him interested. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know about specific heroes. If, if, like, if that'd be the key is like playing Marvel heroes in a Marvel world, for example, or something like that. You'd probably enjoy the shit out of that. I, I, I don't know if I could run it. I, I don't know if I'd have ideas. And I well, wasn't and a comic book nerd. Yeah, you kind of feel, have to feel like you know the characters really to... But Savage Worlds does have a super, so you might be able to get some good ideas <laughs> out of the back. I would, I would look through the Savage Worlds references and see if there's some good examples. Savage Worlds is a fantastic system for supers. It, it is. really is. Scholars and Paragons really is a pretty it. good one for supers also. Oh, the new one from uh, Evil Beagle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, cool oh, yeah, game with all the, all the dice rolling and stuff. That one is like a spiritual successor to like Champions because you get to do all the, you know, a ton of D6s and My shit. favorite uh, Super uh, game setting was always uh, Aberrant. I loved that. Oh, the old, uh, it was a White Wolf game originally, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It was a it's spinoff like from Aeon Trinity mm-hmm. that was kind of its backstory. And it was a great system if you wanted to do, mm. you know, something emulating what heroes in a more realistic 
you know, in our world. But it was one of those takes where it's like, what happens when normal people get weird superpowers Mm -hmm. and stuff? Yeah, because that's a very specific kind of feel, too. And being White Wolf, it had the dark uh, element of all the heroes were destined to turn into hideous, insane monsters. Uh, Well, that happens. Um, well, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a world of darkness thing, though, right? I mean, yeah. it's that struggle, yeah. that internal struggle is part of every game they did. Except, I don't know about, um, what's the big anime one? Uh, you know, I'm talking about the one that, oh, uh, Exalted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you talk about the connection thing, though. When I played superheroes, except for one small foray into, into Savage Worlds, it was back in the 90s in GURPS. Um, uh, did some superheroes there. The thing is, I didn't play in a lot of those games because I didn't connect with the material. That's exactly what you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I played like some World of Darkness stuff when it came I'm out. A superhero person. But because vampires were becoming such a romanticized thing in the wake of Anne Rice's books and oh, stuff, there was a, a market for it. Mm-hmm. And so I loved the whole vampire mythos that was being developed around that game. It was fantastic. And then the other games that followed were just you know more and more interesting. Uh, but that's not the kind of thing that I think would have interested me as a kid necessarily. Yeah, I liked Mage because of the uh, system was inspiring once I understood it. We played a lot of Mage. I played that last night. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys are in a, you're in a game with uh, uh, James Twenty Four Cast. Yeah, Twenty Four Cast. Yeah. yeah. How was the game? Uh, it's good. We got started. Um, we ended up not recording it. We are still learning the rules. Mage is a very well thought out and complicated system. And we're going through it, and it's kind of interesting. But our characters that we've created and the stories that we're rolling through in, in DC is incredible. And uh, we got some things going on there, and um, it's we got a really interesting and varied group. And we even have uh, we have a changeling in our group. Oh, cool! So I just causing chaos. Yeah, I really, I think if I was going to, if I want to go that direction in terms of a style of game right now, I'd like to play Dresden, I think. I'd really like to experiment with Fate a little I, more. Yes. I like I support, the show. Uh, I've only read part of one of the books I was that say, I the still books support. Are, the, books, the, the show was actually fun, I, unless you were a fan of the books at the time, in which case you hated it. That was going to say, you get the whole thing. <laughs> but... Uh, I like the I like the show because yeah. I, I never got into reading the book. It, it does it does provide you a feel for what it's like. It does feel like a world I'd be kind of interested in. It's that hidden magic. It's really uh, interesting, and and there's a lot a lot to it, a lot of material to it. The neat thing about it being a fake game is that you do a lot of the development of your party together. You do a lot of the development of your world together. So like a city, your city, kind of like Chicago, is a big part of the Dresden novels. Your city, wherever it is, is is kind of a character in your story. You know, it's, yep, it's you, you figure a lot about it, and important places in the city, locations that matter to your characters are all part of your setup. I wish with I it being investigative, it. especially if you're if you're part of building the city, you're going to know exactly what you're investigating. You might check it out. I understand it, the audiobooks are really good. The, I, I might do that if I ever get time. Stormfront, I think, was the name of the first one. Um, but yeah, I uh, I like Fate. Uh, if I grokked it better, I'd probably play it more. I, I liked both the uh, fate and fate accelerated. Yeah, I, they both had pluses and minuses. Yeah, uh, Dresden and fate or fate accelerated. Uh, well, there's a version for both. Okay. Yeah, Dresden, there's, a, there's a Dresden accelerated. You, you almost kept versions of both for anything. I actually had one small issue with FAE, and I, I don't think it's anything wrong with it. I think that the ability it gives you to really focus on what you're good at is actually kind of a little bit of detractor because. You can really, if you are imaginative enough, you can be good at anything you do and always use your best scores for it. Yeah, but if I go in to do anything, I'm going to start using mathematics. Right. And Well, and that's the thing, right? You're, you're going to focus to on my problems. I like the fact even that you, if can, it's a physical problem. you can say, um, well, this is the thing that I'm good at. So as a person, I'm always going to look at the world through the lens of the things that, that I'm skilled at. I mean, it makes sense. I'm going to focus on the things that I'm good at. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't mean that those are actually attributable in every situation. If I am getting, if I'm coming out of the parking lot when I leave the studio today into that road and somebody is coming at me at an angle I didn't see, if I'm a character in that game, I may be able to discuss how I can use my mastery of mathematics to decide exactly which direction I should go, what distance I need to go to get around that hurdle and make sure I'm not hit. But in real life, it's going to be a matter of how fucking agile I am at that steering wheel. (laughs) <laughs> you know, to make sure it happens because I'm not going to think about mathematics in the instant. 
You know, I may actually still use that information as part of my background, thinking, okay, this is the trajectory I need, but it's still going to depend on my physical ability to do it, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to use my charisma to convince the car not to hit me. And I, yeah. And I know that as a GM, you have the ability to moderate these things and make sense of the world as much as you need to. But um, it it did really feel like a game that encouraged players to really focus on finding a way to use their best skills to do anything. On the other side, though, it does have the characters create... It it does have them think more about how their characters are approaching doing something. Because if you've got to justify using a better skill you can use to solve a problem, you've got to really create that space and not just say, oh... Well, I want to do this. What die do I roll? Right, right. You've you've got to create some some uh, shared uh, imagination, shared storytelling to make it happen. Yeah, you have to explain why this makes sense. And then people are seeing the same story instead of going, "Yep, it was a die roll." Um, I wanted to kind of address the one thing that I, I hadn't really gotten to that was making me kind of um, uh, concerned about some things running these D and D games. Because I've been running, like I said, just the the online game and then the game with my kids recently, and I feel like um, I feel like because I run so many games a week, because I'm involved in so much gaming every week, uh, it it characterizes a lot of the spirit that I take into the games and a lot of how I feel about things in general. Because I have a lot of other things going on in my life, but most of it is very stressful. Like a lot of people that live at the edge of poverty. You know, I got to deal every week with making sure bills are paid, uh, feeding my family. These aren't things that uh, just come to me. I don't work a regular job. I do contract work. You know, there's Even a, working a regular job. It doesn't get easier. Right, no, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the only just difference is, I mean, there's advantages. Like, I, yeah. it would be nice to know that I'm getting X amount of money on such a day, That's even fair. if it's not enough. That's fair. But then when it's not enough, it's often a problem because you spent all that other time working. What do you can do on top of that to fucking make it? Anyway. Yeah. Not, not really important. The, the thing is that the, uh, the hobbies, the, you know, the, the should be about getting away from all that, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, role-playing games feel like a great escape. But there's a level of um, reality to how much they don't really get you out of everything you're dealing with in life. Mm-hmm. And although some people can use the experience cathartically, uh, most of the time it just becomes a way to forget for a minute about other things. And most, most of the times while you're doing that, you're not actually forgetting. You are trying to ignore it, which is actually a stressor all its own. Can be, yeah. You know, okay. so a lot of times gaming doesn't doesn't fix those things. It, it doesn't really take you away from those things. It just becomes something that you can enjoy while you're dealing with those things. If that makes sense. But it makes my OCD happy. And and, and, and part <laughs> of that's good. And and part of this is the Maslow thing, right? It's like you know your basic needs. If your basic needs are taken care of, you can focus on things. To, you know, build up to self-actualization. And I, I feel like that's um, important to recognize that as long as you are trying to ignore the most basic problems in your life, the most, you know, that the stressors are constantly become a problem and will actually just insert themselves into things that you enjoy and make the things you enjoy stressful too. And that's kind of what I'm starting to wonder if I'm dealing with a little bit. Because I've had so many games canceled and the games that I have left are the kind of the more bare bones, almost traditional style D&D combat focused, you know, very, I, mean, I run games that tend to be very story built, mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of characterization, they have a drama that have, uh, I, I just, a lot of things that make the games matter more to me. Mm-hmm. And these games are kind of like the break from that is what they are. Yeah. But now all I'm getting is that. And there's been this kind of general malaise that's been settling over me because of it, I think. Or at least connected to it, not not because of it. It's not mm-hmm. a cause, uh, but it isn't improving the situation for me. And then, so what happens is I I, I pull up an encounter and I look at the monster, and uh, I realize that statistics are just what they are. There's only so much of that on the screen that's going to be any different from one moment to the next, and uh, that includes um, you know really basic things like attacks and things like that. But a lot of creatures come down to what their attack is, what, what it is they attack with, what kind of damage it does, and then sometimes some other maybe effect that they have or some other ability that they have. And it doesn't matter that giant spiders have web sense or ability to crawl across their webs without getting stuck if you're fighting them in the desert. It doesn't matter if, you know, it's like the scorpions uh, could grapple an opponent, but that was it, you know. And that actually didn't really do anything but keep the opponent right there. 
<laughs> I tried to create this visual, you know, effect where you guys were being picked up and carried around by the scorpion because, you know, I thought that made it more fun. But it was kind of a fun description. You, and that's that's all you could do, right? But I look at these and I get bored with it. I'm like, oh gosh, another monster that's just, oh look, I hit this for attack and I hit this for damage. Hit this for attack and I hit this for damage. And that's just all it is, right? The story has to come to life together immersively, and we're not doing a lot of story with these games because the story isn't really the point. You know, it's not that it's not there. Yeah. And the characters, um, we've even seen them kicking up a little bit of drama recently, uh, which I really like. But poor Nira was at the heart of it, and she was so sick this week that she didn't have the energy to do it. Yeah, you know? I didn't either. She and uh, she and Kid had some long conversations uh, the week before or after the previous game about um, her character Octavia's kind of take on what you guys are doing and why, because she was kind of the de facto leader of the party. She kind of got everybody together. Right, and me and Kid's character pretty much decided we're on this quest, and we've been dragging the party along with us. And did you guys decide to do any sort of meta uh, on that? I mean, did you have like, any conversation outside a game or anything? Or uh, No. No? I know we talked about it as an option mm-hmm. possibility. I think she just wasn't really feeling up to it. She, but she doesn't want to have her character's she doesn't want to ruin the adventure. She wants to proceed the way you guys are going, but she doesn't want her character's feelings invalidated. You know, yeah. she doesn't want to ignore Octavia's objections. Right. She, she no, wants no, them I get to overcome. That. I get that. And instead, they're being ignored. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a great source of drama because... I do keep trying to tell her that I think this is honestly the way home. But there needs to be some sort of discourse on that, or she needs to accept that that discourse is happening behind the scenes or not important. Okay. While you guys are just like, you know what? If we take the camels this way, Octavia's going to follow us. She's not going to stretch it, you know, and that's realistic, right? Yes. And that's part of the point. Right, right. But I have previously said. Here's the thing. <laughs> this is one of the things that Kid and I talked about, not with Nira, because, I, and I know she doesn't listen, so I didn't want to put ideas in her head. But um, Octavia may not be the kind of person you ignore. This is that true. That character will fucking straight up murder you <laughs> if you become an impediment. I mean, she has a face your tattoo. Life into your hand. Yeah, she hasn't ever done that to a player character or anything, but isn't like that. But. You have to sleep sometimes. She can coup de gras. <laughs> she has a face tattoo. That is one of your warnings that you might be messing with somebody dangerous. But I, do you guys know what I'm talking about? That kind of malaise, that kind of feeling oh, yeah, of like definitely. nothing really happening. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Believe me, that's not been helping my depression this last week. So I, on top of being sick. On, on top of that, I've had to work extra long hours this last um, this last week, particularly. Uh, interesting enough, you're talking about how rough a week it's been. And, and I was I'd be I'd be working pretty much from sunup to sundown. Now it's it's January, so that's like seven hours. But you know, <laughs> pretty much from sunup to sundown. The result has been that I have so many things I need to get done and so many things I want to do that make my uh, week matter to me, like um, projects that I'm working on, like the music projects I'm working on, or um, the the book that I'm writing, other things that I want to work on, right? And then I also have schoolwork I've got to do. I got these other things that I need to do, but by the time I get done with my day, because I'm working such long hours, I'm just wiped. And all I do is sit and watch TV. And that's a new one for me. I mean, I, I can binge with the best of them, but it's something I usually have to really carve out time for. It's not something I can casually do and just ignore everything else going on in my life. But, I mean, I've caught up on Lock and Key and The Witcher and The Expanse and all kinds of stuff this last <laughs> week because and I'm, still, and I'm still watching a bunch of Stargate stuff. I'm just, just fucking killing it, man. I've just got so much TV time in, which means I'm getting nothing else done. And, again, consequently, those, those TV shows become the closest I've got to a replacement for that feeling. And I, and I read a lot. I mean, you know, I'm reading all the time lately. But, I mean, those have become the replacement for that. The only story I'm getting, the only, uh, you know, crunch I'm getting in, in my life, you know, in the, in, the, in the narrative of my life. And uh, I, I feel it. I really feel it. And I, I want to get out of that. And, I mean, we're still having scheduling problems. We may not get one of, uh, uh, you know, Kid usually runs our Sunday game. We may not get that game in. We may not. Uh, I know I'm not going to get my, my Monday game for a while. I, I know we'll get to play on, you know, the game I've been talking about on Tuesday. I mean, we mm-hmm. should have a problem with that. And it's a great game. I don't want you guys to think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoy uh, getting together with you guys for that online. But i got to find a way out of it, you know. It isn't, it isn't uh, uh, de-stressing me at all. It isn't giving me anything. And, I mean, it's not stressful, per se, running the game. I enjoy that part, and I enjoy the challenge of it and everything. Uh, mostly I enjoy the hanging out. <laughs> but I need more. Anyway, so I just, I don't know. I kind of want to put that out there. I'm not, I'm not looking for wisdom or solution or anything. I don't know if people can relate to that, if, it's, if it makes sense to anybody. Um, but 
it, it's it might be akin to burnout, but I'm not necessarily wanting to stop doing anything, which is one of the things that happens when you start burning out is like you don't have the energy to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you um, you know if you're listening and you've ever had an experience like this and you have any kind of uh, wisdom to share, I'd sure love to hear it. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Anyway, I probably need to run some of the games, something different, do some Savage Worlds again because I love doing Savage Worlds. I support. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that next. Uh, oh, Savage.us is uh, trying out a version. They're doing a beta on a version three of the character sheet. Oh, cool. It looked kind of cool when I went in there the other day. I've updates. also been looking at other stuff. Oh. Subscribe to that site again. I turned it off for a while. So my, Mikey Mason posted, I think it was yesterday or this morning or something, posted a, if you've ever wanted a, an excuse to list all the games, role-playing games you've ever played, here's your excuse. I can't remember the names of all oh, the games Lord. I've played. I've played I so many couldn't. different rule systems. His list put me to shame, and I thought I have a pretty good sized list. <laughs> I don't even know the name. A lot of it was very old school stuff. Yeah, you know? uh, and I I did play some of that, but I know a lot more of it more intimately than I ever played it. You know, just because I collected the books, or I knew a lot of people that played it, or have gotten familiar with it over the years. Uh, it's it was uh, intimidating me, but man, there's a lot of stuff out there I've never tried, and a lot of newer stuff that I'd love to love to try. You know, I think I've I've chatted at you guys long enough. Kids over here falling asleep. Well, I didn't manage to get more than a couple hours sleep last night, so yeah, I'm struggling. Do but we did ever? finish. We did finish season two, Lock and Key, last night. Yes, uh, it was extraordinary. <laughs> it's really good. Good writing. It's it's the kind of thing that actually does inspire me. It mm-hmm. makes me see what mm-hmm. somebody does, and you know, write something that has a feel that you love, mm-hmm. but in a way you haven't seen anybody do it, maybe ever, or at least not in a while. And to see something done particularly well is always its own kind of special pleasure. And this was just yeah. so well done. I, I went ahead and looked at some like reactions online to the season two after we finished it. I was kind of curious oh, yeah. what people and and they are mixed. They are mixed. There That's are a lot of people. Surprising. And there seems to be a prevailing feeling, especially people that are familiar with the graphic novels, which I read the first several issues of or whatever. I. I, I read a, a compilation of several issues or something um, that, that hasn't been touched on in the material in season two. It was all like stuff mm-hmm. from season one. But I understand they were still following some themes or stories from it, but uh, some of the stuff they were doing in the season wasn't. And so you get the criticism that they're doing great when they stick to the main story, but every time they go off in some other direction, it's kind of like, you know. And, and we did see a couple times where it's like, why did they do that? Yeah. You know, that, that had a net zero effect here. It's like, mm. so maybe that's kind of the, the thing, but I, I don't care. It was all good. It's fun. Anyway, uh, recommend you check it out if you like that kind of stuff. It's really good. Really fun. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and shut us down. Thank you very much for listening to uh, Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. Rich. I'm Vanessa. Sleepy kid. Sleepy kid. Good night, everybody. <laughs>